0: Today, I'm speaking with Stephanie Walter. She's a capital raiser, a syndicator, and the CEO of Arabay Wealth. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, a different way of looking at investing, how we can have our money creating cash flow straight away, and some fantastic ideas on ways that we can invest that will start that cash flow straight away. So enjoy. Make sure to grab the official Not Over Just Different Welcome Pack. It's filled with some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all absolutely free. Just go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to download yours now. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell, and welcome to Not Over Just Different, a podcast for women of a respectable age facing life's next new chapter. So grab a cup of tea and pour yourself a glass of wine and join me for some deep, real, and candid conversations about everything from health, ageing gracefully, relationships, and how to make the next 50 years even better than the first. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about investing, investing in ourselves, investing in our future, and how we can have um, our money working for us. And today, uh, to help me uh, illuminate this subject for us, (laughs) I have the amazing Stephanie Walter, who is the CEO of Urbay Wealth. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The sun is shining, so I'm a happy girl, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, you know, as I was saying before, we're we're, uh, looking at, uh, you know, talking today about investments and uh, you're someone who I think has been, uh, you've been advising people for for a number of years, but now you've kind of like taken your your own advice and and living a life where you are so financially sound um, that, you know, you only have to work if you want to, which is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, So I I think uh, where I want to start is, uh, you know, when it comes to investing, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have a traditional way of looking at, you know, maybe property or four hundred and one k, or you know those traditional routes. Um, so, are those kind of investments uh, for us? Are they still valid? Are they are they still great investments? Or, well, you know, if we're starting out, what what is the kind of things that we should be looking at or questions we should be asking ourselves?
1: Oh, mm. uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that you know, for myself, I I had the plan of I started a business um, and uh, I'd seen my dad invest in, in real estate. So I just started doing the same, you know, investing in small family um, kind of areas where I thought Denver was going to grow. And uh, my, the long term plan was to buy and hold for very long, you know, 30 years. And then once they're paid off, then I would get to, you know, retire. Um, but I started working with, with some wealthy people as I entered an um, in industry of, I raised money for for large investment deals and and noticed when I would look at their financial statements, things were a bit different. Um, as far as where they had their money put and sort of made me think a lot and uh, definitely realized that they view their money differently than I did and many of us do, which is really the way that they look at their money is their money is to be working for them um, immediately. Um, so I call that a utilization. So they're always using their money to do something with, like to give them cash flow to uh, they're not waiting. I guess what most of us look at our money as and what I was looking at my rentals at and that a lot of people look at their 401ks um, is accumulation, which is I'm just going to put the money here and I'm just going to wait just wait and you know virtually have no control over what's happening to it i mean you can control you know where where it's invested in different mutual funds but you can't really control the fees you have no access to the money um so there's no liquidity and basically we're just gonna hope that the market does what the financial planner tells us it will and then when we're 16 Five or whatever, if we're lucky enough, then we start taking the money out. Um, But we don't know, again, what kind of tax ramifications are uh, will occur with that. And I'm not saying it's all wrong, but I think that people need to look at their money as something that they need to put to work for them immediately right
0: well uh, well that's right I mean we I think a lot of us when we look at investing we go well how did our parents do it
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: and go okay well and for me uh, you know any of the investments that have really worked out well for me have always been property so uh, well that's what I know mm-hmm. so um, so can you give us an idea of what like how these wealthy people were getting their money to work for them immediately like what does that even look like <laughs>
1: Well, they, they invest largely in, (laughs) it's almost the opposite. What you see as if I looked at like just a regular person's financial, you know, statement and then a wealthy person, a wealthy person invests almost so, you know, entirely 95, 90 to 95% of their investments are in. Uh, businesses. uh, They're in uh, tangible things like uh, real estate syndications, um, which is essentially just a big word for uh, a couple professionals buy a property, and then they bring investors in as passive investors. So from day one, Any and all of these these investments are giving them cash flow and then they pay they play maybe with five percent, five to 10 percent of their portfolio. Then they play in the stock market Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of um, mess around. But by and large, all their assets and what they invest in are things that will produce cash flow. Almost immediately, you know, certainly within the the first few months of an investment, so they look at their money as you know, kind of what what did you do for me lately? And I want right. you know, cash flow. That's that's the big thing is cash flow for them, and that's what these investments do. And it's a it's a definitely a mind shift change because uh, I think a lot of us are focused on our future net worth but we don't really think about cash flow. But by missing that piece, that's a huge, huge piece to miss because the cash flow is what gives us the freedom to, you know, live a different life right now. Right.
0: I love that. And so, uh, so tell us about a syndication. Is that something that's easily accessible? Like how do we find out more about those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, it is actually. It, for they've been around forever um syndications and uh up until probably about 25 30 years ago they were used solely by banks insurance companies big uh, and the wealthy uh, th- those were the people that really took advantage of of this type of investing um, but through the power of the internet and you know getting information out there it's now become something that you know really anyone has access to the you know I guess the part of it that might people might consider hard is you do have to do some due diligence which is you have to if you're working with a syndicator you need to know you know what their experience is have they have they done this before have they worked in this market, you know, different questions like that. You need, you need to think about, but once you've found someone that you trust and, you know, has done a good job for you, it's with what we've seen, my partner and I were on our eighth deal together, but we have investors that have invested with us in each and every deal. So once you, 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 you know, perform for someone, then they'll just invest with you again and again. But yeah, there is a little upfront work to, to vet the people that you're putting your money and, you know, putting your trust and your money into.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to do our digital diligence. We're going to look into that. So is there a minimum amount that you can invest in a, in a syndication like that? It, or a maximum amount. Yeah. Well, I'm the maximum.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way that we do these is we we go and I guess I tell people to think of it as a professional group of people out searching for the best deal for you. And once we find one, then we get the financing in place. And usually the financing is about 75 to 80 percent of uh, you know what we're buying and then that remaining 25 to 30% we raise that money from our passive investors and um uh, and then that's how they they come into the deal so depending on the type of deal the be, um because this is a regulated environment we we have to file all of our paperwork with the SEC Um, And so depending on what type of investment type it is, is how much you can invest, you know, um, 50,000 on some deals, 100,000 on other deals, but largely, it's important to know if you're an accredited investor or not some deals. We will only accept accredited investors and some deals we accept sophisticated investors. The difference is an accredited investor has a net worth of a million dollars and um, or they can qualify based on their salary, which if they're single is 200,000, if they're married, it's 300,000. If you don't qualify that way, then you're a sophisticated investor and there are definitely... um, you know, things that you can invest in. Right.
0: And would you say that this is a fairly solid kind of investment? Like, are we looking at residential? Or are we looking at commercial properties?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're looking at actually, for us anyways, it's it's multifamily properties. And we're very, very focused on Florida. Uh, Florida is where my partner he has 35 years of experience there being a commercial broker so it's just really important that whoever you you know look to that they have experience in the market that they're they're looking for but as far as solid the, these these investments are very interesting and i've talked a lot about this is that it's like buying a business so it's not like people think of real estate and you know they have a rental and oh, geez, in 2007, eight, nine, my neighbors stopped paying their mortgage and the value of my property dropped. Okay, the reason that happened is because the value of your property is based on comps in your area. The value, now the value of a multifamily property and apartment complex the value of that is based on the income that comes in so the income minus expenses is the net operating income and that's how that that's how that property has its value so the interesting thing and i tell people you know we have the internet you can do all this research but during that time the multifamily space was just fine, actually, because a few things is when people start losing their jobs and their houses, they need to move to an apartment community. Um, Secondly, the rents did just stayed flat. So because they stayed flat, there was really no change in, you know, the, the, what, how much this property, you know, the multifamily properties were making. So, I personally have owned a lot of single families and have started to roll. I try to invest in every deal that we put together. Um, And just because it's uh, I believe in it 100 percent. But the, you know, the value of of investing in these these things as you really, truly get to be a passive investor. You don't have anyone calling you. You have no responsibilities as far as landlords. You get a report sent to you every month that tells you how the asset is performing. Um, but as far as res- I think this is one of the most recession resistant as well as inflation resistant um, things that you can find out there. And if you do, do some research, they'll the data will back me up that multifamily properties are one of the highest performing, lowest risk assets that you can be involved in. Yeah.
0: Well, I love that. I mean, already you're changing my perception and changing my mindset on how I look at investing and what, you know, what what that, because I was the same as you, I'm like, Oh yeah, I own multiple properties. Um, but they're, you know, one unit here, you know, something there. It's it, it's very you know key. And like you said, it's um I'm waiting for the, you know, for the value or for the, the investment to come good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. So um so if this is something that's like changing my mindset and hopefully for people who are listening to the podcast as well, I'm sure that there's plenty of other, you know, money myths out there that we are like, that we, you know, that we, that we buy into that aren't necessarily true. And, you know, what are some of those kind of, of of myths that, you know, a lot of people buy into that really aren't really setting us up for success?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a shame, but it's absolutely true that the, If you asked a wealthy person what they value more, their net worth or cash flow, they're going to tell you a hundred times over that it's cash flow. And that is something that for whatever reason in our society, we don't really think a lot about. We think about I'm going to save and it's just going to sit here and I won't be able to touch it or access it. And then it, you know, it will eventually grow to be this, this big you know um tree that i'll get to start taking the you know the results of but that's really not the way you should really view money or if you want to view it like the wealthy is they view it as something that needs to be working for them right now like what are you doing for me now what kind of returns are you giving for me now and when you think of that that um gives you the cash flow and cash flow like i said if it Mine eventually replaced my business income, so I was able to retire. So that's a pretty powerful thing. So that's definitely one myth. The second one that comes to mind is that a lot of people think the wealthy invest. The reason why they're wealthy is because they invest in really high-risk things. And so, of course, that's why they get wealthy. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Yes, mm-hmm. I think they save a really small portion of their portfolio to do some, you know, risky things with. But by and large, their portfolio is extremely, you know, invested in um, what I'm speaking to you about uh, syndications, or they've invested in businesses where they know, you know, what, what these people are wanting to do in their business. We invest in in mutual funds and and things like that. And if you ask the average person, what are you invested in? What is one company you're invested in and who runs that company and what's their plan? You know, no, no one could tell you. I bet ninety nine percent of the people couldn't tell you even one company, whereas doing this, you get to know who's, who are the operators of this, this business? What are, what is their business plan? How long do we want to hold this? And we report to our investors to be accountable to them. And um, so it, it is definitely a change in mindset, but it, as far as the benefits, just they far outweigh, you know, the pain of, of having to do a little bit of due diligence on who you work with.
0: Yeah. I know it, it sounds like, um, you know, these kinds of investments aren't necessarily as volatile as, like you said, as most people think they're going to be. Yeah. Um, that they're fairly solid investments that, you know, um, that start that that income or that cash flow happening And we
1: buy, we buy the properties so that they're already cash flowing. And then we buy properties where we expect, you know, in the next few years that there'll be some growth. And honestly, it's not rocket science. Like we invest in Florida. We're on our fourth deal in Tallahassee, Florida, and 2000 people a day are moving to Florida. Even if that stops like I don't know why it would, but even if it stops, Florida has a huge lack of housing, um, for apartment housing, regular housing. And some people are projecting it's going to take over a decade before they can catch up. So in the meantime, you, it's really supply versus demand and, um, that's why you have to be really familiar with your market or at least trust the people that are that are working in their market to know um you know whether it's a a good asset um to be involved with
0: we talk quite a bit about navigating relationships on this show so i wanted to talk to you all about one relationship in particular and that's your relationship with money If your financial knowledge is keeping you from living a larger, better, and wealthier life, and you're ready to fix your relationship with money, not to mention make more of it, then download your free copy of How to Create Your Future. It's an e-book designed to teach you the eight secrets that they will never teach you in school to turn your dreams into a living, breathing reality. Simply go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash money book and get ready to flip the coin on making money and what about some of the other investments so you're saying that like wealthy people will use maybe 5 or 10% of the cash flow into investing into other things you know what does that look like there
1: from the people yeah. i've seen it's it's like their pet projects like th- something that they're interested in like i have a, an investor who loves tesla and so he's always you know doing stuff with with tesla and you know buying more when he hears, you know, certain things that are going on with the company, but it's not some, it's more like their play money as opposed to money that, you know, they're looking at to build their wealth. Um, Also cryptocurrency. Some of my, my investors get into that for me. Yeah. That's way out there. I don't, I tend to, I don't want to invest in something I don't understand how, and especially cryptocurrency, the value, I just struggle with where the value is on that. So let's just say like an apartment complex, you know, everybody moves out of it. You still have the building and the land to sell, you know, there's still a value there with the cryptocurrency. I'm not quite on board with that, but I know some of my investors, you know, play around with that as well.
0: Yeah, no, I I invest in cryptocurrency and it's yep. it's a, a very uh, again it's it's a quite a volatile um, market um, because it's fluctuating all the time. Uh, and you know, I'm the same. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what causes the fluctuations, mm-hmm. but I know that it always works out in the end. And uh, and I think you know the and I, I I'd love to hear what you know your rules are, your guidelines on and helping people invest because I only invest what I know. I'm if I lose it, I'm like I'm not going to be concerned. You know, for me, that's, you know, when it's something like cryptocurrency that's so high volatile, I'm like, that's my rule. Um, so, you know, do you, you know, do you guide people on what some of the guidelines they should be when they're looking to invest?
1: Yeah, I mean, the number one thing for me uh, and what I've seen, you know, in my in my career is just having a good team. That's the number one thing. Um, knowing, uh, ha, has this team had any experience running, it's a business essentially, do they have any experience running, uh, a hundred unit complex? Um, that's the most important thing. The second thing is where is this market? Is it in the middle of Iowa somewhere, you know, uh, or is it in a, you know, is it in Florida? Is it in Miami? Is it in, you know, somewhere where there's a great deal of growth going on? Um, so that's, those are two huge things. The third is you really want to be in a landlord friendly state. And what we found through COVID was Florida was extremely landlord friendly. And as such, you know, people kept paying their rents and, um, the moratorium just didn't affect things there. that's some great tips,
0: <laughs> things I wouldn't have never even thought about, but um, I love that. Now, you you also uh, talk about, you know, the 1031 exchange. Um, now, my understanding is a 1031 exchange is when you sell one property but then within a short period of time, like three months or something, you have to buy something else of similar value mm-hmm. um, and that way you you um, avoid paying capital gains tax. So right. how do you use that to your advantage?
1: Well, I mean, there there are so many tax strategies when getting involved with this type of investing um, because, and I was thinking of why, and I heard a a good answer the other day, which is the government values, we need housing and we need people that are going to contribute to housing. And so I think that's why there's so many great tax benefits. But the 1031 is a little... You know, you definitely can invest from your 1031. It just um, what you do is you just delay paying your taxes on the money. It's deferred and you can do that to get into a syndication. I find the tricky thing about the 1031s is getting the timing right because, you know, they may The timing might not work out, but there are other tax benefits that are I was just um, speaking this morning about cost segregation, which is something that, you know, the Biden administration did bring up Ten thirty ones is something that they wanted to get rid of. I I don't think they are going to and um, some other different things, but they never brought up cost segregation, which. Um, To me, it was yay, (laughs) but (laughs) cost segregation is just we hire someone when we purchase a multifamily property and they go out and do uh, essentially kind of like an inspection. And then they itemize each type of um, type of property that is at the multifamily um, complex, like, uh, you know, flooring, doors, Uh, HVAC equipment, um, roofing, uh, you know, appliances, uh, countertops, all of those things. So they itemize all of them. And then we essentially they accelerate depreciation, which just means that if you own a normal house like you do, you get to depreciate over, I don't know, 27 or 39 years, depending on the property. Well, with this type of, of, depreciation we speed forward the depreciation to one five or seven years so what that means actually if you buy if you're buying an 18 million dollar building that those are huge huge um, tax benefits that get paid back to the investors and not all syndicators do cost segregation so that's an important thing to distinguish someone but for instance with a property we just closed if someone had invested $100,000 in the first year they would have gotten a $43,000 uh, tax benefit for investing in that and then each year they they would get subsequent uh tax credits but it's never going to be the 43% is the biggest one and then it goes down from there but they are very significant so that owning one of these properties you would probably be able to have tax benefits as much as what you've invested in the property if that makes sense
0: yeah makes perfect sense so uh, if someone's listening to the podcast right now and they're like okay this sounds great um I would love to invest in something like this. Where do they even start? Where do they go? Like where?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say go, come to, you know, come to our website. My website is the www.erbewealth.com and you can go um I have just put up a new investment report that shows the top 5 reasons that this type of investing might be for you. I also have a lot of content because really my passion is working with people that have never done this before. And so I have a lot of content on my website that, you know, really um, caters to that type of investor. So I have a video series that talks about, you know, the 30 most common questions I get from an investor when when going into a deal and you can look at those and and just have an idea of what questions you should be asking um, different people. But that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I love that. So that's air by wealth dot uh, com which is e r b e erbewealth.com
1: yep that's it
0: yay well <laughs> stephanie um thank you so much for for being with us today um and really enlightening us on a different way of number one looking at our money and how to invest it um but then also putting forward such a um which i to me this sounds fairly low risk you know i mean it's property and it's an investment and so there's always a risk but it sounds very low risk to me um so it's it's really um opened my eyes into how i'll be investing in the future that's for sure
1: (laughs) yeah Well, well thank you so much yeah thank you so
0: much for being here and and uh thank you to all that are listening this week i'm looking forward to coming back next week and sharing another great guest with you then so until then stay safe and stay healthy look forward to chatting to you then okay bye for now Thanks for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so on iTunes or Spotify or go to mindmovies.com forward slash podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, remember, new episodes are released every Monday morning and we'd love to spread the word. So after you've subscribed, be a great girlfriend and pass it on to a friend who will enjoy this too. And don't forget to grab your official Not Over Just Different welcome pack. It includes some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all completely free. Head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to grab yours today. Until next time, remember, it's not over, just different.